Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We appreciate you. We just love you. We adore you. Master, we come right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for life, health, and strength. We ask that you bless this uh, setting on tonight. Bless the teacher. Bless the student. Let us all be receptive unto your word. And let us get understanding and let us apply it to our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Showing generous hospitality. They think about hospitality as might be defined as receiving and entertaining guests in a friendly and liberal fashion. A more better might be to say a generous reception of strangers and guests. And somebody that has a, a general, uh, showing general hospitality to us up towards someone might think of it in a sense that that person has a, a generous and loving spirit. Uh, they might be willing to give of themselves. Uh, another characteristic that they might put the desires of others above their own. And when we think about uh, hospitality, it was really uh, a main focus of of Jesus when he, when when he was training his disciples, because he tells them that when they go out, don't take no no script. Uh, don't take anything with them, but that the people would provide for them. And we learned that when we look at the, this being Black History Month, when we think about Black History, we did a lot of hospitality toward people. And that mm-hmm. we couldn't always stay in hotels. And many a time when we traveled, we stayed with somebody. Uh, and they showed us hospitality. I mean, uh, People uh, befriended people they had never seen before and treated them like family. So as a, a genuine hospitality is very uh, part of the black history. But in this lesson, this evening, it says uh, when we talk about it, hospitality, it's an opportunity for Christians uh, to serve, uh, and they serve in many different ways. Uh, uh, not many of them are peaceful. Sometimes it's uh, in the midst of confrontation and hardships and oppression, and struggles and dangers. Uh, service, though, is one of God's ways for us to influence a change of heart, behavior, and thinking, and intent for the better and the good of mankind. So the the, the challenge of, of serving demands from us a willingness to forge ahead against overwhelming odds. In this uh, lesson is seen in Paul has had a vision and the spirit of the Lord has told him to go to Macedonia. And Paul is uh, one that heals to the calling of, of his profession. So he sets to head out for Macedonia. And the scripture says, therefore, loosened from Taurus, he came with the straight course to Samothrace. Diarrhea, and the next day to Naples. The apostle and his evangelist, with some of their fellow evangelists, are headed for Macedonia, and their form of transportation is ship. That's why he says, uh, 
loosening, that therefore loosening is, is to say that they set sail uh, uh, from one place to the other. And this group of evangelists is traveling from Taurus, and they're going to make a stop in Samothria for a day and then travel to Naples. And reason that they're going to stop in, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Samothria is that it's an island in the Aegean Sea. And from now, here's a straight uh, shot to Macedonia. So they uh, got everything set up. They're, they're answering the call that, that God has put on them. Uh, now, it doesn't say that they preached in, in, in this area. Neither did they say that they preached in Naples. And from hence to Philippi, which is a chief city in Macedonia and a colony, and we're on, and we're in that city abiding certain days. And Philippi is a town in Macedonia. Its name comes from the fact that it was conquered by King Philip II. It's a Roman colony and a colony of Rome. Uh, and as a colony, they do not have to pay tribute to the Romans. Uh, they citizens are free-living people. But it's a mixture of races there. It's a very striving city. And verse 13 says, And Paul is given an opportunity to, in verse 18 to preach his first sermon. And he says, On the Sabbath he went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was made, walked to be made. And we it sat down and spoken to the women which resorted hither. Now, Paul is given the opportunity on the Sabbath, and that's on the Sabbath is, is, is the last day of the week. Six days, God has followed that we should work, and the seventh day uh, was to rest and worship. So Paul is following the guidelines that is set up uh, by his religion. And the scene that he's going to be is out on the city by the, by the, by the riverside. And Paul has taken the opportunity to lead a hustle and bustle of the of the city and head to a peaceful, more solitude place. And this river is an emblem of life. It's ever-changing. It is also universal in that it flows, uh, lets us know that life goes on and on. And the site of Paul's first sermon is... Uh, It's where he's going to uh, be by the riverside, and that's where prayer is wants to be made. And prayer is made uh, in the Jewish uh, teaching, uh, either in the synagogue or in a place they call a posture cave. And it's, this is a building that's much like a, a church, but it has no roof on it. But many times they would build those buildings near the water. Because it was easy for the priests to do their religious ceremony. They could do it right there by the water. So it was kind of like a synagogue, but, it, but it's not uh, because it doesn't have a roof on it. A synagogue has a roof on the top of it. And the style that Paul is going to use is the style that many of them used in those days. He's going to sit down and speak. Uh, and he's going to talk to them about 
Jesus Christ the Savior. And he's going to have a, a, a really unusual crowd in that it says the women which resort there. Uh, the group that's gathered there is a group of women. And Paul does not uh, allow any opportunity uh, to pass where he can preach Jesus Christ to those that are willing to listen. In this particular case, a lot of them are women. They are religious, but they have not confirmed in Christianity at this point. In verse 14, it says, A certain woman whose name was Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of of Tila, which worship God heard us, whom heart was open, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. The gospel is to be preached to every creature, and the evangelist did not shy away from any opportunity to share the gospel with any anyone. The size of the crowd was never an issue. The gender of the crowd should never be an issue. Paul's uh, mission was to preach to any auditor that God put before him, and so he took every opportunity to teach to this crowd. And a certain woman, uh, uh, Lydia, is considered one of the first Europeans to convert to Christianity. And it talks about her occupation. She was a seller of purple, meaning that she was a business lady. A seller of purple was one that took expensive dye uh, and made clothes, and these clothes were for the wealthy. Uh, so she was probably a well, uh, pretty wealthy lady, and that poor people didn't buy those kind of clothing. So she was selling those to rich people. And it said that she was a religious woman and that which worshiped God. Uh, so she was a woman of prayer, but uh, religious is not being Christian, said that she did not. She heard the gospel probably for the first time, according to Paul, that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior. She was a believer in God, but not necessarily a believer in, in Christ. And she responded in, in, in to what the gospel was said. In other words, the, gospel, the word said she heard us. God opened Lydia's heart, and she received the gospel, believed in, and she believed in her heart, and God saved her. Now, Lydia is saved, but one of the things that, that uh, so many times we talk about being saved, but uh, we don't show evidence, always show evidence, but Lydia shows evidence of her conversion. So the scripture said, and when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide here. And she restrained us. So the first thing Lydia has done, uh, that since she's been saved, it says she was baptized. And baptism is an outward sign of an inner change. Uh, it says that we have another Lord who is no longer under the power and influences of the world, but we are under the uh, guidance of Jesus Christ. Uh, and when uh, we're baptized, it says that we have died to the world, we're buried in Christ, and risen with him. Baptism should be considered our first uh, 
will, act of obedience to the will of God is that we accept the fact that we have been baptized. And she did one of the things that we should all do when, when, when we receive the, uh, the gospel and, 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 and accepts it. She shares it with her family. Ahasi uh, says her household was baptized. And we don't know who Ahasi was or what it included. Uh, but the first place we ought to go when we receive the gospel and spread the word is, is with our household. Jesus often said unto the saved, go home and tell them what good news the Lord has done for thee. So we ought to be willing to go and tell the Lord, or tell our household what the Lord has done for us. And she willingly uh, uh, commits to Christianity. She says, if thou hast judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house. So she's willing to open up her house as a place of worship. Many times, and in those days, we don't have all the fancy uh, churches that we have nowadays. So many times, uh, church was conducted in a, in a house-to-house type situation. So she's in, uh, made herself, showed her hospitality by inviting uh, Paul to stay in, in her home. Uh, I, I can relate to that in that many times when I was small, uh, when the evangelists came for the uh, revival, uh, many of uh, the people in the community would put the evangelists up at their house uh, while he was there. And so that tradition uh, goes back to, to what's taught here. And that uh, we as Christians uh, need to open up our hearts and our, and our possessions uh, and share with others. So, uh, Lydia is doing what's what's is many a time we say what would Jesus do? She's doing what Jesus would do, and that he's taking care of the man of God, and that she opened up a home to him. Uh, this next part uh, that leaves a lot out of it, and when you go to verse forty, and it says that and they went out of prison and entered into the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, and they confronted them and departed. Uh, to understand that uh, verse, you have to realize what has happened between the, the verses that I've already done in verse 40. And what has happened is that uh, a certain damsel in the city that was possessed with a spirit of demontation, which brought her messes much gain, and Paul had commanded that that devil come out of her. And being freed of the devil, her master saw that she could no longer make their money because she she told uh, uh, fortunes and, and uh, predicted the future. She did those kind of things. And since Paul drove that devil out of it, she couldn't do it no more. So the the people that that, that uh, she working for had Paul and Silas uh, uh, whooped and thrown in the jail. And during that, uh, during the night, the prisoners, uh, God sent a, a severe earthquake, and that earthquake uh, shook the prison so such a thing that the uh, the, do- the doors flung open, and the prisoners could escape, but they didn't. And uh, the jailer woke up and, and and was ready to take a sword and, and kill himself because he knew he was going to get blamed for the prisoners escaping. 
And Paul mm-hmm. yelled out to him, do yourself no harm. Yeah. Well, we are all here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he realized what had happened. Uh, he, uh, the jailer wanted to release Paul and Silas. But Paul refused and told him that uh, the magistrate had, had put him there, and the only way he would come out is if the magistrate came down and released him himself. So they sent for the magistrate, and he came down, and he did what Paul had, had uh, asked him to do, that he released him. And the jailer took Paul and Silas to his house and mended their wounds and fed them, and, and uh, Paul preached to the jailer in his household, and they were baptized. Mm-hmm. And and uh, from that situation, Paul and Silas, uh, and actually the jailer showed Paul hospitality when he did mm-hmm. what he did. So we, we can see that the Lord is working his hospitality uh, all during Paul's journey. You can see how so many different ones are, uh, open up their hearts to him. But God works in mysterious ways. He, he, he's opened up the prison and then let Paul and, and, and Silas out. He does a, a miracle thing that everybody is impressed by. And he hit it in, and before Paul and, and Silas were, would go anywhere else. And, and let us know how thankful we ought to be when, when God does something in our lives uh, and entered into the house of Lydia. So before they leave uh, uh, this city, uh, uh, they goes to the house, which is really kind of like going to church. They goes to Lydia's house and spend some time in worship with the Lord. And when they had uh, seen the brethren, they confronted them. Now, Paul and Silas does a very uh, unique thing that, that so many times we're not able to do. When they say they, when they seen the brethren, they confronted them. Uh, the Christmas spirit, which Paul and Silas exhibit, it's something that teaches all of us something we can do and respond to adversity and torture and injustice that, that happens in our lives. They did not hold grudges against their assailants. Uh, they went about doing and comforting their heart. They did they did good unto them. So uh, Paul and Silas showed some hospitality toward them and that they didn't hold anger against them. Uh, but now it said, and deported. And so now the, uh, the nature of invalidism and the demands of the mission assigned to him is that they must uh, need uh, spread the gospel to other places. So when the work of evangelists has sufficiently done in one place, there's called to enter another field. So Paul and Silas is obedient to the assignment. And, and so they must go where God has directed them to go. In this last part of this lesson, uh, it's uh, talking about correcting false theology and, 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 and bad behavior. For you see your calling, brother, and how that not many wise men after the flesh, nor many mighty, nor many noble are called. And, and what Paul is talking about in this is that the Jews believe that the Spirit did not uh, come upon any man unless he was wise, powerful, and rich. And the Jews, in many cases, uh, fell into this category, and they saw themselves as, as being like that. Uh, but the Corinthians, many of them were not falling into this category. 
So Paul encouraged the believers, uh, believers in that he says, for you see your calling. The thinking of the Jews, like I say, was that God bestowed his grace upon on, 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 on them for being uh, wise and powerful. But Paul is reminding the Corinthians that they are uh, witnesses of God, and the grace that he poured upon them uh, is, 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 is not because they are wise or they are rich or uh, 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 any of those things. Paul is not teaching that. He's teaching that God's grace is given unto everyone on, on, mm-hmm. according to what God uh, uh, puts on us. He's teaching that God's grace is equally bestowed upon all men, regardless of their status in life. Uh, and that how many of men are after the flesh? Not many. In other words, uh, most of the believers were not wise philosophers. They were not well-educated. They were just ordinary people. And Paul is letting them know uh, uh, the grace of uh, God's salvation is not because of what position you hold or what noted wrong, uh, status you have in society or your ranking. It has nothing to do with it. He says not many know, but in other words, not many people that, that, that the Lord called is of nobility. Uh, that has nothing to do with it. We're saved by grace and faith in Jesus Christ. And so we don't have anything to do with anything else. But many of them had that false impression that that's what uh, God's grace was based on. And it talks about, uh, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confront the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confuse the things which are mighty. And what Paul is talking about in that is that God can take something that seems like it's not much and, and, and turn it into something that, that uh, in the hand of man wouldn't seem like much, but God has the power to change it. And the best first part of that statement said, but God has chosen. In other words, if God has chosen it, that's, a, that's the whole game right there, the fact that God has chosen you or he's chosen or whatever he decided to do, God has done it. So that makes it uh, great in itself. And uh, so uh, it says God can take things that esteem foolish among men to humble the intelligent. In other words, the weak things of the world that con- uh, that confronts the wise. Uh, this expression here refers to the fact that uh, some of them are were destitute in learning and wealth and rank and power and 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 and, and they were despised by the rich. Uh, in their eyes, uh, in the Jews' eyes, uh, men who were not in their class were looked upon as foolish. Uh, and many times, called them dogs. But God can take these that are illiterate and bring those who are highly educated to change. So God does uh, can take the weak and change the mighty and the powerful. And verse 18 talks about the base things of the world, the things which are despised. God has chosen, yeah, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. And the base thing that he, that he's speaking of are those persons that are not born in noble families. Um, they are not rich and powerful in the eyes of man. The world regards these persons as Gentiles with contempt. Uh, yet, uh, 
these are the kind of people that yield their life to God for salvation. The ranks, uh, the rich, the powerful, and the most noble uh, chose to put their uh, belief in and and wealth and and what they have, what but what belongings that they have. And in other words, they are not uh, reaching out to God, uh, and so they miss the uh, uh, the kingdom of God because they have they they faith in their belongings. And verse twenty nine says that no flesh should glory in His presence. In other words, we're just flesh. He created us, and we are nothing without him. Uh, uh, we should glory. We can't glory about anything because all of us are, uh, are, and what we have is by the grace of God. Uh, and, and nothing we really have done uh, gives us any cause to think that we are any more than, than what, what we are. And he talks about in, in his presence. The last part of that. And God is omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere present. At the same time, He is all, we should always know that we're in the presence of God and be humble and submissive to him and honor him in everything that we do. Well, without him, not only do we not, are we not nothing, but we don't even exist. And so we, we learn here that, that the great mess of converts uh, in life I have a humble life Uh, and that Christians are made up of every nationality, gender, ages, and human status. And we find that many times uh, the reason the powerful can't uh, submit to God is that they usually is satisfied with their wealth and power. They are surrounded by objects that flatter their vanity and minister to their pride. They are drawn away from the means of grace and the places of prayer by fashion, business, and, and temptation. And they rely on their, uh, on their learning and, and are unwilling to, to sit at the feet of Jesus to obtain a higher form of, of learning. And, and many times uh, people that are higher learning can't, can't uh, adjust to uh, the teaching of Jesus because it's about faith. And they've got, they don't have faith. They have, they have, they have, they have, they have taught to be, if you can't prove something on, on paper, then I, I can't believe it. So, But faith is about the unseen. So that the gospel is designed to produce humility in us. It places us all on the same level of salvation. And Jesus taught, teaching us that there is no royalty way to, to the favor of God. No wealthy person can be saved because he's wealthy. No philosopher can be Say because he's uh, well and uh, because he's uh, very literate, it, can't, it cannot save him. You can't be saved because you're rich, and you can't mm. be saved because you're poor. Just being mm. poor is not going to save you. You're saved by the grace of God, accepting mm. Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and no other way. So, verse 30 says, uh, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of mm-hmm. God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness mm-hmm. and sanctification and redemption. All that we are, we have, is because of God, because of mm-hmm. him. It has nothing to do basically with us. Uh, we like to think that we did this. I did it myself. Now you go get yours. But a lot of, so much of it is about the grace of God. And you, and are ye who 
We are who we are because of his mercy of God. Uh, and he is the medium that gives us the wisdom that we have. It's, God, it's Jesus that, that he is the embodiment of righteousness and, 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 and the idea of wisdom that comes from him. Wisdom teaches us the right actions and the, uh, to take in situations about right and wrong, right choices and facing issues, right application to resolve problems come from his, the wisdom of God. We are whole, made holy and set apart for the purpose of God and sanctification. None of us can make ourselves holy or be set apart without the power of God uh, gives us. And then there's redemption. We have no power to pay for the redemption. Redemption is the price you have to pay for the sin that we've committed. We can't pay the price because we uh, are not holy. The penalty of sin was too great for us to pay and to buy our salvation. Jesus paid all it for us. He was the only one that could do that because he was the only righteous one. And so he he paid our, for our redemption. So in this lesson, we've learned that God wants us to make ourselves to be a service by way of evangelizing the world and coming to the aid of all who are in need. This is done in our obedience to God and will and opportunity that he affords us. So he will give us opportunity uh, to evangelize, to serve, uh, to help our fellow man. And I'm uh, open to comments. Good evening. Beautiful lesson this evening. I just wanted to say a little something on verse um, 40. After leaving the prison, they went to Lydia's home. And when they had seen and encouraged the brothers and sisters, they departed. You know, I after reading that, I was thinking about when I was a little girl, when we first moved to Timpson, I was a little, little bitty girl. And I remember on Wednesday night, we didn't have Bible study at the church. It was usually at my grandparents on my mama's side or my grandparents on my daddy's side. Out of those two houses on Wednesday nights, they had Bible study. And I remember um, my granddaddy would just be praying, praying, praying. And my grandmother would be singing, singing, singing. And I was a little girl and didn't understand, you know, why was we at the house having church? But after I got older, I saw, you know, it has, prayer starts at home. If you don't pray at home, then you're not, you're not um, connecting with God like you should. Yes, it's okay that you pray at church, but if you don't have a prayer life at home, in your own home, your own heart, then, you know, you're not connecting like you should with God. And and it starts at home. And we say all the time, you know, prayer starts at home. Charity starts at home. Charity starts at home. If we don't do, you know, what God instructs us to do at home, then how can we take it out in the community and reach somebody if we're not doing it at home. 
Amen. Did I hang up? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was waiting on somebody. Anybody else? Well, in this, um, Brother Teacher, we speak in this lesson, and this um, of the different ones, and even the examples that 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 you have you are you all have mentioned. But um, hospitality uh, means a whole lot because um, you know um, you just think about what you said. Um, uh, Brother teacher, you know, the preachers and stuff back in the day, they um they they were not able to stay in hotels and stuff, so families um pro- provided and was as what you consider hospitable. And so we should be as Christians um that same same way, you know, um if you if you just really think about, I think the the people back then appreciated um, the word of God. I'm not saying we don't appreciate it today, so don't don't take that the wrong way. But I'm just saying it seemed like people were more appreciative of 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 the man of God and what the man of God was bringing. And in that appreciation, they showed it by their actions, you know, of being hospitable. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. even uh, if you're saying today, you know, we, we need to continue to practice these things because that's what God wants us to do. And and um, uh, even in our own church, you know, uh, someone comes newcomers come to our church are we going to treat them any different way you know you know how you say like maybe someone may come in their clothes may not be up to par to what you think it to be should we treat that person any any kind of way or should we have open arms because you never know who god may bring to the to the house of the lord you never know who, who may come in and you never know what that person may need because the way you treat them may change their whole life. Right. It's true. I think somewhere in now, and and I remember with us, uh, my dad would always pick up somebody that was walking and give them a ride. But somewhere in this, this world where we have got to a point where it is so dangerous uh that we don't we can't we can't we can't somehow we we got to the point we can't uh extend that opportunity to people the way we once did uh you know you pick up somebody and they end up robbing you or, or all these kind of things uh, have changed the way we 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 are uh, we as a people react because uh, 
the world and and the and the people have changed in way people have gladly accepted the ride and were thankful and and they uh you and you went on about your way and, and somehow it seemed like the whole world was better but mm-hmm. but now that we we uh we we just can't take those chances i, I know i can't i mean mm. uh, i've had some bad experiences picking people up so uh you 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 get away from that hospitality type attitude, uh, but we do need to get back to it. We need more of that. Uh, and, but somehow the world has taught us that we got to be very cautious how we do those. Mm-hmm. Any other comments? Uh, I was looking at this on a different level, which all of you have shared greatly uh, when it was showing his hospitality. Uh, If you look at it, it goes back a little deeper, and you see this is Paul talking, and it will go further, and it goes back to our responsive reading. It shares that uh, uh, about love, charity, and love is told how we should love. And if you don't love, how are you going to show hospitality? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hospitality to me uh, is uh, showing is, is a verb and it's put it in action. Uh, let's let's look at it several ways. If you go to the doctor's office and the reception or either the nurse. Before the doctor come in, they treat you uh, kind of rough or they not treat you the best. And the first thing the doctor say, how your day is? And you, first thing you say, oh, they were, wasn't too hospital, uh, hospital, wasn't too nice to me right there. They was kind of rough to me. You know how. And then, uh, as Sister Bonner was saying, uh, and it goes with Sister Mitchell and you, Deke, was saying about the church. Uh, we have to be careful. The Bible teaches us be careful how you entertain strangers. Mm-hmm. It can be God unaware. And uh, mm-hmm. I was looking at this, uh, and this is Paul talking. And later on, you can hear Paul was telling them, uh, them telling us when we eat. First of all, we ought to examine ourselves, mm-hmm. and then that uh, lets me know too. That how can I show hospitality and I'm not nice to myself or I, I'm not uh, showing love toward my own self? You know, mm-hmm. how can you give love if you don't even have love for, from the jump? And later mm-hmm. on, Paul would share with us that uh, every man should examine his own self, and, and this, this would coincide with this message. He said, examine your own self and eat at your own house. And that goes back to what uh, Sister Mitchell was saying about how they were praying and and how they was at uh, the house, uh, from house to house. And then it, it shared with us this, uh, that how she was baptized in her household uh, was saved also. And uh, uh, when I first uh, started preaching, my old pastor told me, he said, now, if you don't feel your preaching, how do you expect somebody else to feel it? So you got to feel it first. You got to have mm-hmm. something on the inside first. How can you you ask somebody to get a message 
uh, to somebody else by singing, and you uh, you're not singing with a feeling, you're not singing with authority, you're not singing with uh, the anointing, because singing mm -hmm. is a ministry also. You know, uh, well, I, they asked me to sing. I don't feel it, but I'm gonna sing anyway. But you got to understand, it, it's a ministry. It is. It, it, it goes forward, and you don't never know. Uh, as this hospitality is, you don't never know who need a kind word, who need a lift up, uh, bow down head. So it, it, it shares with all of us that all of us, uh, and it's Paul who shared with us this, this evening that if we show hospitality and we show love toward one another, God will in return show love to us. And he will bless us because all this is, in a nutshell, we are blessing somebody else through our uh, lifestyle, our ministry, because this is a ministry. Uh, how can uh, uh, a deacon come to our church or a pastor come to our church and we know we never ask them, well, we never ask them to give them opportunity to pray or, or help in the devotion or, or either help, you know, in the pulpit because somebody gave you the opportunity. So this mm -hmm. is a sharing situation. And when you have the uh, hospitality, it's sharing, it's sharing and showing love and sharing because uh, uh, when I, if I come to your house, you say, and you come to my house, you say, uh, make yourself feel at home. Uh, can I offer you something to drink? You know, that's it, it, the first thing we say. So in other words, we are showing love. So this is me basically, this is what it is about showing love. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Oh, heaven. Just like being a friend, you have to show yourself to be friendly. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Back in your hand, Deacon. Um. I want to show hospitality because I'm ready to eat something. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to show you some love, too, because I, I am wore out. But I thank God that we have a job, so I, I, I'm not going to complain about that too much. Amen. But I am fiscally drained. Amen. 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 Uh, I, I just want to say to our church family, Continue to look into the hills from which coming our help. Uh, I, uh, and I was just looking at something last night, and I don't know the Lord might be showing me something for Sunday morning. Don't y'all know we are, we are in terrible times? Mm, uh, yeah. We 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 in some crucial times. When uh, I remember the time I used to waste water, going to the well and getting the bucket and have half of it. When I got back, not the whole bucket. But now water is case, and and it just you know we you know and let us continue to pray for those that are without, and uh, let yeah. us be uh, realize that the Lord giving the Lord will take it away. So let us be mindful of those who are less fortunate than we are. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God keep you. Now on the water with bread too. Amen. I can go on with Deacon Wave. Deacon Wave is hungry. Amen. When I talk about bread, he might get hungry. Amen. <laughs> okay. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God keep you is our prayer. Uh, 
Uh, is there anything else drawn to our attention? All right. All right. Deacon, you want me to dismiss or you want to dismiss? Go ahead. All right. All right. All right. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this uh, lesson on hospitality on tonight. We ask that you bless us and keep us. Let us realize that we need to show hospitality, show love. Father God, we ask you to bless the Walnut Grove Family Church family in a special manner. We ask that you cover us upon the blood of Jesus. And Master, we're not just being selfish. We ask that you look upon every church door and stand wide open in our name. Father God, bless those that are less fortunate. Father, we ask that we will be a blessing to somebody standing in need of some things. Father God, we ask you to bless, heal, and deliver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Amen. God bless. God bless you. Hello, this is Walnut Grove Baptist Church's podcast. We are in Carthage, Texas, and that is in Panola County. Our pastor is Reverend David P. Mitchell, and our Sunday school teacher, our Bible study teacher, is Deacon Glenn Wade. But thank you so much for joining us, and you'll be joining this current episode is in progress. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Walnut Grove Baptist Church podcast. If you feel led to do so, you can leave a gift at bit.ly slash walnutgrovegiving. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.